Hey everyone, welcome back to Money on a Mission, episode 11 of season one. Today, we're gonna talk about savings and inheritance. Let's get started. With all the challenges money brings, how can we manage our finances in a way that aligns with our values? To answer this question, I've looked to mentors, books, and most importantly, the Bible. Join me as we seek to glorify God and love others in the way we manage our finances. This is Money on a Mission. All right, welcome back. Today, I'm really excited to dig into the second step in allocating the finances that we earn from our work, and that is our savings, which will lead us naturally into one of the purposes for savings, inheritance. Before we dive in, though, let's go over a quick recap. This is episode 11 of season one. We only have a few more episodes left until we wrap up this season of everything that we found in the Bible when reading through it, looking for lessons on money. So that means a few things. First, if you haven't done so yet, please share this podcast with somebody. It can be so impactful when it comes from a friend, and that could be you sharing this with someone you know to help impact them, and hopefully they could learn something from it too. Second, since this season one will eventually come to an end, you're not going to fall behind if you go back to the beginning and listen to every episode in order. If you picked up somewhere in the middle or you're just joining us today for the first time, don't be afraid to go back and start from the beginning to get that foundation before we dig into the actionable steps that we're covering today. All right, back to today's topic, savings and inheritance. Let's start with savings. First off, why should we even save? What's the big deal? Well, there's a handful of reasons in the Bible. The first one is, the Bible says that it's wise to save. Proverbs 21.20 says, Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. So a foolish man devours his money, spends all of it without saving, but a wise man saves it. Proverbs 30 verses 24 and 25 say, Four things on earth are small, yet they are extremely wise. Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up food in the summer. So an ant, though small, is wise to save his food during the summer so that he can continue to eat it in the winter. We see the same lesson in the New Testament as well. Paul advises the people of Corinth to save. He says in 1 Corinthians 16 verse 2, On the first day of the week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up, so as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. Paul says to put something aside and save it up so that you may prosper. So from this verse as well, we see that it's smart and it's wise to save, and it will play a role in making you prosper. In other words, if you save, things will go better for you. So the Bible says that it's a smart thing to do. It's a wise thing to do. But how exactly will the savings help you prosper? Well, that leads us into the second reason that we save. Reason number two is to prepare for future need. When you have money saved up, you'll be more prepared for disaster and be able to withstand crisis in the future. The best example of this in the Bible is in Genesis in the story of Joseph in Egypt. Quick backstory here. Joseph ends up being a slave in Egypt, and the Pharaoh has two dreams. In one, there are seven cows, healthy and fat, and then seven sickly cows appear and eat the fat ones. In the second dream, there are seven ears of corn, plump and healthy, and then appear seven ears of corn that are withered and scorched by the sun, and they eat up the healthy ones. So Joseph is brought before Pharaoh to interpret the dreams. Joseph tells him that God will reveal their meaning and that they are one and the same. There will be seven years of plenty and good harvest, followed by seven years of famine, so great that they will erase all of the gains made during the first seven years. 
To prepare for this, Joseph gives Pharaoh the following advice. Genesis 41, 34-36 Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years, and let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities, and let them keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt, so that the land may not perish through the famine. Basically, Joseph says that they should save during the years of plenty so that they will be provided for during the years of famine. The saving is done with the specific purpose of preparing for a future crisis or a future need. Pharaoh takes this as such good advice that he appoints Joseph as overseer over all of the savings, and they end up saving up more than they can even measure. Then, when the famine comes around and people are starving, Egypt flourishes. All around, people are dying and falling into poverty and falling into crisis, but Egypt has saved and they are prepared. And as a result, people come from all around to Egypt in order to benefit from their saving as well. So it both saves the country, it blesses other people around them, and causes them to flourish when others come to buy the food that they have. And all of this because they saved. There's not much else to add on this point because this story sums it up so perfectly. We should follow Joseph's lead and save during good times so that we will be prepared in case of bad times. All right, the third reason that we should save is to provide an inheritance for our children. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12, 14, For children are not obligated to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. We can also see in Proverbs 13, 22, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. So parents should save for their children, and a good man leaves an inheritance. We'll come back to the topic of inheritance once we finish savings, so we won't go into much detail yet, but we do need to know that this is one of the reasons that we should save, to provide for our children both now and in the form of an inheritance. For the rest on that, we'll save till we finish savings. Reason number four to save is it teaches us to discipline our spending and live within our means. We'll cover spending in a few more weeks and devote a whole episode to it. But disciplined and intentional spending or budgeting go hand in hand with savings. In a way, if we're savings, then that shows us that we are living within our means or spending less than we make. But on the other hand, if we save first before we spend, then it forces us to be diligent with our spending. Remember 1 Corinthians 16 2, when Paul said, on the first day of the week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up. That's why we're covering saving in this episode before we go into spending. If we spend first and save whatever's left, we may not save at all. But if we save first, then we create the necessity to discipline our spending with what's left. So this helps us out with our spending and budgeting, which again, we'll cover in a few weeks, but it has even better and more immediate result. It cultivates discipline and obedience. If we learn to be intentional with our savings, we train ourselves to be obedient to God and to live within the means of what he's blessed us with. So then, when God calls us to do something, we're better equipped to listen and follow him. And all that because we saved at the beginning of our paycheck and then learned to discipline ourselves in the rest. That discipline pays dividends in finances and in our faith walk with the Lord. Okay, so that's four good reasons to save. It's wise, you'll be prepared for crisis, you can provide for your family, and you'll cultivate discipline. So, with those reasons in mind, then how should we save? 
From these verses we've already covered, we can not only see why, but we can see the how as well. Way number one in which we should save is save first, second only to giving. Exactly like we just talked about. When we earn money or receive money, the first thing we should do is give, and the very next thing we should do is save. Going back to that same verse, 1 Corinthians 16.2, Paul says, save first, then you will prosper, for all those reasons that we just covered. For my family, this means we calculate our desired savings rate from our gross income, before taxes and before expenses. We know how much we want to save, and then we have it set up to transfer automatically from our checking account right into our savings account. That leads us into way number two in which we should save. We should save continually, disciplined, and little by little. Proverbs 13.11 says, Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase. This goes back to that concept of discipline. It's the long-term, continued discipline that leads to the benefits described earlier. We shouldn't wait to save later. A lot of people say things like, Oh, I'll save more when I earn more. Or, I spend what I make on a regular basis, but I'll save on the big items, like a bonus check or a big sale. Well, the truth is, if we aren't diligent to save little by little, we won't be diligent to save on the big items either. Also, the process of continual addition to our savings adds up quickly, and in many cases will lead to more savings over time than waiting for those big opportunities, especially if that big check or big sale never comes. Alright, the third way in which we should save is we should save one-fifth, or 20%. We come up with this number simply by copying exactly what Joseph did in determining how much Egypt should save. Remember Genesis 41-34, Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt. Joseph saved 20%, and it worked out really well for him, and provided for Egypt in an incredible way. So that's the example of how much to save, 20%. Okay, one more important distinction here on this. When we talked about giving, we determined to give 10% because the precedent was set by Abraham, followed by Jacob, obeyed by Israel, written in the law, and echoed in the epistles. There were several verses that said, you shall give a tithe. So the amount to give is a directive. We shall do it. For savings, on the other hand, there's no verse that says you should save this amount. Instead, we get that 20% from the example set by Joseph. That doesn't necessarily mean we need to do this, but it worked so well for Joseph and pays such great dividends that we covered at the beginning that it's worth copying that example because we know that God used that behavior to bless the people of Egypt so we can follow that example and know that it could go well for us as well. But remember, take the concept of giving 10% as a directive, but the concept of saving 20% as a recommendation. And that leads us right into the fourth principle of how we should save. We should save in obedience to the Lord. 20% is a recommendation, but the most important principle we need to apply is obedience. If God leads you and speaks to you in your spirit about how he wants you to use the money he has trusted you to manage, make sure to obey him. This can mean different things for different people. Just like God could ask you to give much more than 10%, he could also direct you to save much more than 20 He could also direct you in the other way. I don't believe God would ask you to give less than 10%, but I definitely believe that he could ask you to save less than 20 if he had something else he wanted you to do with that money. So if God calls you not to save, but to do something else with it, listen and obey. Remember, that's not choosing to do something else with that money that you want. That's listening to the Lord and doing what he wants. 
I called an incredible mentor who serves as a missionary to talk about this concept, and he just laughed and said, I don't know if I'm the best person to talk to about savings because every time I've built some up, I've given it all away in obedience to God. In this case, God asked him to give it all away and he obeyed. And there's far more joy in obedience than in following any set of rigid principles. So whether it's 20% more or less, save in obedience to God. And if he calls you to use that money on a mission, maybe that's why you were saving before leading up to that call. Or if he calls you to put it on a mission right away, don't hesitate in following him and obeying him in where he leads you with the money he's trusted you to manage. Okay, that wraps up savings. But now let's dive into a couple concepts that that leads us into. The big one here is reason number three to save, providing an inheritance for your children. How should we go about planning and leaving an inheritance? In today's culture, it seems like the American tradition is to simply take all of one's possessions and divide it equally among the children. No matter what the situation is of the family, no matter what the differences are between the children, that seems to be the trend in American society. But let's talk about what the Bible says about it. First, and most importantly, before we dig into the specifics on it, both parents and children need to have a righteous foundation before the passing and receiving of an inheritance. They need to remember that all of the inheritance and all money belongs to God. This foundational concept so often gets lost when it comes to inheritance. Even people who believe that the money they earn belongs to God often turn around and look at their parents' money as if it were theirs. It's like the money in their account belongs to God, but the money in their parents' accounts really belongs to them. And obviously that's not right, but we see that a lot in our society. So before we even dig into inheritance, just remember everything that we've learned so far in this podcast. Money is vanity. It's us chasing after the wind. It all belongs to God. We should use it on a mission for him, and we should pursue righteousness, obedience, humility, love, and all those other concepts the Bible teaches us before we think about money. So as we go into some of these verses on inheritance, remember, there should be no jealousy, no comparison, no envy, only obedience to God, thanksgiving in what we receive, and joy in following what he asks. So when parents consider leaving an inheritance to their kids, Let them first pass down a proper understanding of money and a proper upbringing in righteousness before they pass down money. If that foundation is laid, then we know from Proverbs 13.22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And we know that with it, the children will honor God when they receive it. But if that foundation isn't properly laid, the Old Testament issues some pretty strong warnings about it. Leviticus 18.26-29 says, But you shall keep my statutes and my rules, and do none of these abominations, lest the land vomit you out when you make it unclean, as it vomited out the nation that was before you. For everyone who does any of these abominations, the persons who do them shall be cut off from among their people. And then Joshua 23.16 says, If you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and you shall perish quickly from off the good land that he has given to you. So God told the Israelites that if they did not follow him but chased after idols, they would lose the land that he gave to them as their inheritance. And the same lesson can be applied today. If children stray away from those foundations that we just covered, or they chase after idols of money and sin, then maybe the same concept should be applied and they shouldn't receive an inheritance because that inheritance could just damage them even more if they continue using it to chase after those sins. So again, 
Both parents and children must have a righteous understanding of money and behave in accordance with that righteousness before passing on an inheritance. Second, children must live righteously after receiving an inheritance. One of the issues with receiving a large inheritance is that the money can take the place of God in the recipient's life. Replacing your trust in God with trust in money or replacing the desire to work with complacency in that money. So remember, if you receive an inheritance, you still need to obey God in what he asks you to do with that money, and you still need to trust in him and rely on him completely in every area of your life. Also, even if you've received a large inheritance, you still need to work. Remember our episode on working and earning. We do work to provide income for ourselves and our families, but we also work to provide value for others and to honor God through that work. Also, the Bible commands us to work hard. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. The Bible even tells us that we will receive joy through that hard work. Ecclesiastes 3.22 says, So I saw that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his work. So even if you've received enough inheritance to provide income for your family for the rest of your life, you still need complete reliance on God and you're still called to work to serve others, to glorify Him, and to rejoice in that hard work that you do. Okay, with a proper foundation of righteousness before passing on an inheritance, and a proper foundation of righteousness after receiving an inheritance, now let's look at a couple of the ways in which we should apply the details of how that inheritance is distributed. We mentioned earlier that the typical American inheritance in today's practice is just an even distribution of all assets amongst each of the children. In reading through the Bible, there are two points on this that I think we should address. First, biblical inheritance was not always evenly distributed. Okay, again, before looking at these examples from the Bible, remember, a biblical understanding of money would be free from all jealousy and free from comparison. If the money belongs to God, then one child should not look at the inheritance of another child in comparison or envy. Instead, an inheritance should be received with thanksgiving, regardless of the amount, and regardless of comparison. That said, let's look at Deuteronomy 21, 16-17. On the day when he assigns his possessions as an inheritance to his sons, he shall acknowledge the firstborn by giving him a double portion of all that he has. So this passage tells us that the firstborn should receive a double portion. I'm not saying that this one should be applied word for word today exactly as it is written, but it's a good verse to open up the concept that inheritance isn't always an even distribution. It depended on the circumstances of the family. Okay, here's another example of a circumstance which could probably be more easily applied in modern times. Numbers 26, 52-54 The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Among these that land shall be divided for inheritance according to the number of names. To a large tribe you shall give a large inheritance, and to a small tribe you shall give a small inheritance. Every tribe shall be given its inheritance in proportion to its list. So this passage shows us that the inheritance could be divided up proportionally based on the size of the tribe. Today, that could mean distributing the inheritance differently based on the size of each child's family. If one child was single but the other had five kids, a parent could consider giving more or less to their children based on their need. Now, of course, I happen to be the firstborn and the only one of my siblings who has kids right now, but I'm not making these points just for my sake. I'm just reading what the Bible says. But in all seriousness, Inheritance is not to be received with any kind of comparison. Inheritance can be tailored to whatever God leads parents to do in providing for their children. So, if God leads you to distribute it evenly, do it. And if God leads you to distribute it in a way that's different or tailored to the needs of each, 
you can do that as well. The Bible definitely sets a precedent for doing that. Okay, second, an inheritance can involve requests. It doesn't need to be this awkward thing that people suddenly find out when the lawyer reads them the will. It can be an open discussion with the family to figure out what fits the needs and the desires of the family most. Let's look at Numbers 32, verse 16 and verse 19. Here, the 12 tribes of Israel are about to cross the Jordan River into the Promised Land, but three tribes go to Moses with the following request. Then they came near to him and said, We will build sheepfolds here for our livestock and cities for our little ones. For we will not inherit with them on the other side of the Jordan and beyond, because our inheritance has come to us on this side of the Jordan to the east. They simply asked, Hey, can we have our portion of the inheritance on this side of the river? They offered to send men to fight for the rest of the land, so they paid their dues to the family as a whole, but they just desired to settle in a specific area, so they simply asked. And it worked out great for them. They got what they wanted. They felt blessed by that inheritance. And it made it easy for Moses too, because he knew that they were satisfied with the promised land they received. Here's another passage with a similar concept. In Deuteronomy 1.36, God says of Caleb, He shall see it, and to him and to all his children, I will give the land on which he has trodden, because he has wholly followed the Lord. So God told Caleb that he would receive a specific portion of the promised land. Then in Joshua 14, 12 through 13, Caleb says, So now give me this hill country of that which the Lord spoke to me on that day. For you heard on that day that Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Then Joshua blessed him and he gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. God spoke to Caleb about which portion of the inheritance was to be his, so he simply asked for that portion and came to an agreement with Joshua, who blessed him with what he asked for. If it worked for Caleb and it worked for the children of Israel, then we could apply the same concept today. A lot of times, a family inheritance is not just a bank account full of money. Maybe there's a family property or a family business or family heirlooms. So instead of just dividing it all up evenly down the middle, how much better would it be to have a conversation about who would be most blessed by specific pieces? Maybe one child loves that family property, but another doesn't. But the other is invested in the family business and the one isn't. So rather than sell both and divide the money, you could just give the property to one and the business to the other. Maybe they're of roughly equal value, maybe they're not, but that just brings us back to the first point. Distributions don't necessarily need to be even. In all this, the most important concepts are obedience to God and loving communication among the family. Again, there should be no jealousy, no comparison, no envy. This isn't about measuring or counting who gets more or less. This is about giving parents the freedom to listen to God and to bless their children the way that God leads them to. It doesn't have to be a rigid, cut and dry, split down the middle type of thing. And it definitely doesn't have to be this awkward grabbing from the children and quietness from the parents about hiding their plans for the inheritance. It can be a blessing and it can be a joyful thing for a family to determine how the wealth God has blessed them with moves to the next generation so that they can continue following and blessing the Lord in the ways that they manage it. Again, obedience to God and loving communication will bring out a blessing in the way that inheritance is passed. All right, let's wrap it up. We talked about saving and inheritance. We should save because it's a wise thing to do. It prepares us for the future. It can provide an inheritance for our kids, and it teaches us to discipline our spending. When we save, we should save first. We should save regularly. We should save 20%, 
but most importantly, we should listen to God and obey whatever he asks. As for inheritance, it's good to pass on an inheritance to your kids, but both parents and children must have a biblical understanding of money and be free from comparison, jealousy, or envy. Then, talk about it as a family. It doesn't need to be an even distribution, and it can be divvied up however the parents choose or however God leads them. So there we have it. Step two in allocating your money. Save. And then with it, honor the Lord in the ways that he calls you to pass on an inheritance if that's what he's asked you to do. For more for Money on a Mission, make sure you subscribe so you get the new episodes when they launch. Also, if you think it's worth it, add a rating and a review. A five-star rating does a lot to boost the podcast and help it to reach more people. Next, head to the website moneyonamissionpodcast.com where you can find show notes with all these Bible verses we talked about and more and a place to enter your email so you can join the newsletter. Third, I'd love to engage with you on Instagram. My username is Ned Kingman. Like and comment and shoot me a direct message if you have any questions or topics you'd like to hear on the show. And finally, most importantly, please share this podcast. If you've gotten any value out of this episode or think it can provide value to anyone you know, hit the share button, text this episode to a friend, or send a link to the website. I need your help. Let's work together to make sure we can impact as many people as possible and change the way our generation manages money. I hope and I pray that you've been blessed through this episode, and I can't wait to see you next time. Until then, glorify God, love others, and always manage your money on a mission.